Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me on the World of Wrestling podcast. I am here for an alternative wrestling showcase representative. Rush Kennedy uh, is here to join us today on the podcast, man. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Not a thing in the world, man. Not a thing in the world. Awesome, man. So, Rush Kennedy, where did the name come from? Uh, oh, you know what's funny? Um, so, I was trained by uh, George South uh, in Charlotte um, as part of the High Spots Training Academy. and, and um, he likes to call people based on like shirts that they're wearing. Like he's one of those like old school guys. He doesn't remember your name. He just won't. He's one of those people. Yep. And um, and there was a a kid there who was really into the band Rush. Uh, and I was always wearing just like just like Star Wars shirts or whatever. When this yep. kid quit coming, mm-hmm. we looked similar, and he couldn't <laughs> remember which of us was really into Rush. So he just kept calling me Rush all the time, and uh, eventually I dug the name, and so I I, I stuck with it. And uh, Kennedy is my my fiance's uh, her last name, so oh, no. I just put them together. Yeah, I figured I figured, you know, there's so much of uh, our lives that overlap. Might as well combine that a little bit. Yeah, nice. And she's been through with you through the whole thing. Oh yeah, no, we've been together uh, ten years now. She. Um, oh, she she was really instrumental in pushing me to train. She actually put up some of her like own money to like put me into yeah, wrestling school for the first time. So that is awesome. And um and so how long have you been wrestling for? Uh so I was training with George for a couple years before debuting, and since then it's been two and a half years. Yep. So two and a half, maybe three. I can't remember. Some of them in that range. Okay, so give me an outline basis of Rush Kennedy. What's Rush Kennedy all about? Are we a heel? Are we a face man? What's what's the storyline? So, like for for me, uh, right now, like the way it goes is it's it's it bounces between. I don't like to think of myself uh, in my like character process as being like something that can be exclusively one way or the other, but. Um, Right now, with with AWS, I'm mostly working face. Um, uh, but I I find myself feeling better when I can be healed because the crowd, for whatever reason, they like you know you've been there. I'm sure they're harsh. They can be harsh, and I yep. just like the ability to snap back at them a little bit more. Uh, yeah. But but for me, like to to step into this like new persona, it's let me be more bombastic, more iconoclastic is the way I like to think of it. I don't care. I don't think Rush cares about any, if you, if you respect it, if you value it, if you think that it's something that should be upheld, whatever it is like X, Y, Z. Yep. Rush is opposed to it. I didn't even, it didn't even time because it will get under your skin. And that's all that he cares about. That's all that he's ever cared about is making sure that like whatever impression he makes on you, it's memorable enough. And if, if that means that, you leave it feeling insulted or you leave it feeling like he doesn't care about uh, upholding some tradition or upholding some, you know, rule, then that's, that's what it'll do. Yeah. Nice. So he's, he's genuinely a get under your thumbnail sort of character who just wants to yeah. just get it. Everybody's nerves sort of thing. 
Yeah, but at the same time, right, I think that, like, there's room for a face character like that, too, in a weird way, because um, I feel like there's a real disconnect generationally, especially here in the southern uh, southern states. Like, you'll see my fan, like my fans, people who come up to me are teen girls. Oh, and, really? And, and yeah, exactly. And I thought that was really weird. Um, but the people who, like, really like me, those are teen girls. And the, whether I'm working key or their face or whatever. And people yep. really hate me to the point where, like, sometimes I'll be walking out of the show and, like, see them in the parking lot and they, like, literally, they, they, they will, like, scowl at me and, like, follow me through the parking lot. <laughs> is, um, those are the older people. So, like, I've, you know, I, I've, this last year or so, like, taken it upon myself to try to be more myself. I've started painting my nails. I've let myself, like, you know, express, be more expressive. And yeah. I think that kids enjoy that. I think that the youth really enjoy that 20 and unders. And I think, yeah. uh, especially in the States, especially here in like the conservative Southern States, man, they hate that if they're over about 35, <laughs> like they can't stand it. I don't know what it is. Like they hate it. So yes. it, it, it all depends who's looking at me. <laughs> yeah, nice. So you kind of just like, you're, you're, you're reaching out to a certain generic um, generation at the moment that is into that kind of stuff and is helping them kind of uh, relevate with you in a way. I, I would hope so. And it, it um, uh, but it's all, you know, because those are the people who are messaging me are like teens. Like that's, that's where, when I get people come up to me and stuff like that, that they're, that's usually who it is. Um, so I did, I did have an old guy come up to me recently who liked me too, which was a weird situation. Cause then he said, he said to me, um oh you live in like and then said my hometown and i was like oh no how that's not cool and he's like yeah i've been on your facebook so now i've just been like now i've started to feel a little weird about being horrible to these people in the crowd now that they know where <laughs> i live i don't think that's <laughs> now, yeah, now i'm not cool. sure i want to double down on this persona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's, you're just more worried about them knocking on your front door going remember what you called me in the ring yeah well i'm here to get my penance for it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely, because because like we, you know, it's so easy. Heel work is so easy down here because, uh, and I, I'm sure it's the case in Australia too. But like down here, we've got like a real redneck crowd, and yeah. they they don't they hate they hate if you insinuate that you know something they don't. They hate yeah. if you insinuate that you know that uh, a big thing around here. Oh, one one specific thing I remember saying to someone to like a crowd is that there's there's more people here booing me than there are teeth in this room and like, <laughs> and they were like like they were so genuinely angry like flipping me off and like screaming and cursing i was like you know that worked i guess so like it's so easy to get under their skin here but if they know where i'm at like maybe i don't want to do that <laughs> yeah no it's very easy to work crowd when you know what kind of town you're in that's true it's really true and most of the towns here are like that like you know that southern indie is it's it's you know mm -hmm. outlaw mud show kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I got that vibe from the last podcast I had with um, Dewey Goodbutter the Third from uh, AWS, and um, oh yo yeah he's cool. Yeah, so he do, obviously does his APW uh, tour, and um, he was telling me that he's very South Carolinian um, with his character too. Yeah. So obviously yeah. as him being a, a face working that area, you just know that he's the kind of demographic that you're, you're looking at when you're walking into the ring, expecting the fans to be throwing back at you. 
Yeah, yeah. So he he does his whole like nerd uh, gimmick, but he puts a real southern like twinge on it in a way that's yeah. like kind of fun for everybody. Yeah. Uh, he 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 plays it. He plays it up. I, I met him. Um, I met him the other day at a at a at a show. Actually, yeah. We oh, he worked. Uh, yeah, he worked a a, a a good friend of mine. So, but yeah, it was it was a, it was a solid. Um, that's basically the whole idea. It's like you want to tune your gimmick to where you are. That's exactly uh, my. Yeah, I, I was told um, I had I had the wonderful pleasure of, of working a match that uh, was that uh, uh, the NWA like uh, I believe he's the senior official now, Jared Fritz over there. He uh, ref this match for me, and when we finished the match, um, we noticed we didn't really get much of the crowd. We you know we worked all these spots. We had this pump kick, blue thunder bomb, a super kick, the spear, the you know the whole whatever. And he said, "You know, nobody cares, right?" Like. This you didn't look out in the crowd before you went out because the crowd didn't want that. They don't care. What mm. this crowd wanted was for you to get in their face and be like a coward because the only pop of the whole match was me calling a kid ugly in the front row. You know what I mean? So it's like that's all that they that's what they were there. They were there for that. They weren't there for the spot fest. And you Yeah, exactly. That's what they wanted. And and and, and that's that's a hard lesson for me to learn because my favorite type of wrestling is really hyper athletic and like super mm-hmm. spot heavy. <laughs> yeah, so you're so essentially you've you've walked into a crowd and you you've planned this whole match out which you thought was going to be spectacular, but it's not what the crowd have wanted. They've they've wanted the yeah. chance to be able to just throw some shade towards your way and and let you treat you like the heel that you are, but. Um, yeah. You, yeah. In, in also, in, in a way, you've kind of given them that heel treatment by ignoring them long enough that they've obviously lost interest, but in the way that you've given them one serving and then continue with your match, which kind of works as well. But um, I can see how that could be yeah. a bit of a catastrophe if you've gone out there and planned a spectacular match and all they want to do is just heckle you the whole time. Yeah, because well, all, all, like, if, I, if I put a chin lock on the guy and then talk trash for like 10 minutes, they would have been much happier with that. They yeah. really would have. And, and 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 the and the real like vets on the show knew that the main event, um, your pal Sal, I think from from the NWA, and he, um, the main event he is up against this much bigger guy whose name I can't recall off my head right now. Um, the whole match, the whole match is he tries to suplex the big guy and he can't. Tries to suplex the big guy, he can't. Tries to suplex the big guy, he can't. The finish is a superplex, covers him, and it's a three count. That's the whole match, and it's like that's all you had to do. And it's not, you know what I mean? And it's like, if I, I should have picked up on that. So it's a learning experience. Though. It's, it's good that you can go back though and reflect on that and say, look, this is where I, I need to learn to, to do something a little differently next time and, uh, and react because a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people go back and go, I could do my match differently. I could do it this way. I could do it that way. But no one's ever really said um, that they need to go back and reflect on how they interacted with the crowd to get their reactions back enough. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers out there who say that, who go, you know, I think I could have reacted with the crowd a lot more, but it's not everything. It's not something you hear every day where a wrestler will go back and say, oh, if I had have interacted with the crowd a lot more, I probably would have got a bigger pop for the for the match instead of if I had to work yeah. more on what I was doing in ring, which is really cool to see that you can self-reflect in both of those ways. Uh, I, I appreciate it because that's the, because I mean, because that's what we're here for. Like the way I was trained was it, um, was that the point of the match is not how many high spots you can fit into it. It's how, uh, how much the crowd cares. Okay. And, 
that that's so true it's insanely true but the problem is is that i wish they cared about my high spots <laughs> <laughs> yeah most of, the time they do. most of the time it's fine but then every once in a while i just i'm i i don't get the balance right and i think that's something that we can all it's 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 obviously it's definitely a big learning curve um we in our car in where i wrestle um we we pride ourselves on kind of organizing spots for um i I wanted to say priority but that's not the word i'm thinking of um Mm. i'm thinking of course a helicopter happens to fly low as i'm trying to think of the spot thanks very much for that um the, the word I'm kind of thinking of is we prioritize our um, our spots based on the, the card uh, and, and yes. how long the car we are at. Yes. Obviously, you don't want to be doing a Canadian destroyer uh, right before intermission and leave the crowd on a high and then come back and then that was a double down move and you've got still three more matches to go and yep. um, you, you want to use like a Canadian destroyer or something like that for a main event spot instead. You kind of want to yep. hype the crowd up for big moves and stuff and, and work that into that that end goal of getting the crowd really up off their seat for a move like that um, and and being able to work that in that area where we go, all right, well, let's talk about what kind of spots we want to do tonight and try and make the show build to go small to big and then finish on a bang sort of thing. So it is, like I said, it's really cool that you can self-reflect on that and go, cool, this is where I need to learn for next time and go, okay, well, next time I, I want to be able to to um, interact with the fans a lot more to get that reaction that I want, but also I can go back and reflect my match as well. So hats off to you. Well, simultaneously, here's the big thing, though, is that when I open a show, uh, I still try to take it, though. I still try to take the, the here's here, here you know, because it's like that, that's a real hard balance. I care about the main. I want to see the main succeed. But at the same time, if you've got me opening the show uh, or, like, I'm mid-card or something like that, I can't not do anything. You know what I mean? Like, you have to – so you're right. If that's something that you you, you want to prioritize. And something, somebody, uh, something someone said the last show I was at was the uh, uh, vet uh, champagne. He was a Omega guy, uh, small time. Yeah. Uh, I want to say small time. But the, the indie, the, the Hardys – uh, famously, like they made down here in North Carolina, and um, he was talking about. It. He said, "Get with the main. Get with anyone in the main and find out what their finish is, because you don't want to yep. do the same thing." So That's super disrespectful, awesome. and it's like absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is usual. Say you got a signature move as your spear, but the main event finisher is a spear. It kind of negates the whole power of a spear in the end of the main event. My one well. of my, my my second match ever. We my fin the finish was going to just be like a super kick, and then they were like, um, "Actually, uh, that's our finish." The match right behind us. So I was like, "Yeah, uh, we can you know." But that you know that's an interesting subject of of conversation too, though, because it's like when you start out. It, it, you have no idea what a finish is or like yeah. how to place it or what to do with it. And so that's been really interesting too. It's another learning curve. Yeah. I, I guess that's, that's the one thing you get to to do the enjoyments of obviously being a rookie is you get to see everything firsthand. And obviously when I, before I started wrestling, I was a referee for two and a half years. So the, the beauty oh, of that is you got to see everything firsthand and see how the matches were planned. So, it kind of gave you that bit more of a boost to to walk in as a rookie and go, okay, well, I know what I need to do and not do before I walk into my match so I can go, okay, cool. Um, I know I shouldn't be doing this as my finisher because I know that that's a very big move and I'm, I'm going to save that for a main event. 
So, like, for example, my finisher is the diamond cutter. Um, obviously, I'm not mm-hmm. going to pull that out of my hat 30 seconds into my first match of the night and want to build and build and build on it yeah. and make it worth something. And um, obviously, if I if I want to savor that and make it a big move, obviously, try not to pull it out in the main, uh, like the mid card events, and make it really more substantial. And go right, it's a main event. The main event move should have a main event position and and go and hit that diamond cutter in the main event. Go, I finally nailed it, and make it mean a lot more. Um, so, and something that's something obviously rookies don't seem to to see that because they'll go, I just want to go out there and I want to hit a, a power bomb. I want to go out there and, and hit an F5 or something like that. And, and they don't yeah. think, well, maybe I should consult everybody else and go, well, how powerful does that move look and outshadow the rest of the show? Like you don't want to make the crowd go crazy over the, the opening match and then they die off for the rest of the show, which is um, obviously something that a rookie needs to obviously learn but it's a good thing that they can take on board and go okay well if i go and talk to the main event if i go and see what they say and they say look my finish is a spear cool how else am i going to finish my match yeah so like 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 similarly i i i tend to throw a cutter for a finish and or i've done it for a while now and um which is complete accident it wasn't my intention to make that a finish but it's what happened Um, i had a totally different idea and it did it look good and so i was like oh whatever i'll throw a cutter so anyway well um, but but yeah so 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 you know um the feud and everything that we're working right now uh uh, is with this you know heel faction and um uh i told them i'm gonna throw this cutter just block it you know because i'm not going over tonight so just block it like shove me off and then we'll run the sequence whatever um, and then they kept noticing that like all of my matches, I would throw the cutter and not hit it. And they, and they were, they were like, Oh, so is that like your finish? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So when I went over, this guy's finish was the pounce. Like he does the, 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 Mont, uh, Monty Brown pounce. Yeah. But they send you off one way and they come the opposite direction with the spear type tackle. And he, um, when he throws it as he's coming around the opposite way, I hook the cutter and we do this huge, like spin out with it hit it and that's a clean three and yeah. no one, no one kicks out of the cutter. That's the point of the finish. And, 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 right. yeah. and, you know, if I, if I, um, if there was anything in the world I could change, it'd be to put more people in seats at every show that I'm at so that they could see the nuances like that. Like the, I, what, what annoys me so much is that there's, there's probably plenty of people who saw that cutter that didn't know the significance of the previous cutter, but for the few people who were there who know what was important about it yeah that's who it was for you know what i mean like that yeah you're doing it for your regulars who come back and see that you're building for this massive finish and you finally hit that cutter and go i've finally done it and all those people who have seen you develop from when you tried to first start it to you eventually got there they can appreciate you and it for what the the severity of that move is and and how you've been trying to build to that position which is cool yeah, and the the you know, on the subject of regulars, it's like you know, with with these small town crowds, which is is what we work right now, it's where we are, and I think that's a, a part of the business that people don't talk about a lot, is that yeah. there are lots of guys who spend years working in crowds that are fifty people or sixty people, ten people, you know, I've been in crowds as big as one hundred fifty, uh, you know, two hundred, and I've been in crowds as small as five, mm-hmm. um, you know, and 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 that's a real that's a real struggling part of it. And, but it's, it's super humbling though, because the other day I was at a show that I wasn't working. I, I showed up for ring crew because I was 
um, you know, that's the respectful thing to do. I have to not be booked that day. And when I was there um, and as the crowd came in, I was just sitting in the crowd and I had four or five people come up to me to tell me, to ask me, Oh, are you on the show? Like what? And, you know, I was about, I probably about an hour from where I usually wrestle, but those, those people that came up to me, what that shows you is that they travel between these shows that are an hour away from like their home um regularly and and those are the people that you want to hook and and though you can get caught up kind of in the the numbers of it you know like someone might ask you know is it worth trying to appeal to those regulars there's only like 30 of those guys 40 of those guys you know and it's like well yes because it's not just about the the numbers it's that i have the same kids approaching me and they care you know what I mean? And, and, if you, and even if you're trying to see it from like a, just a money perspective, like you, those are the people you'd sell merch to though. That's you it. know, like, you know, because that's, that's the story they understand. Heavy. Right. The people who just like randomly saw you, like a couple of them might go, he was cool. And you know, but mm, chances are, you're not going to sell them your product the first time they see it. They're going to yeah. have to see you again. That's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't, you don't buy something because you saw it in a window. You buy something because keep seeing it and someone you know has it and you know so people the more people you expose to it uh, a consistent image of your character yep the you know the more you're gonna sell in my opinion i'm just a dude <laughs> no it's and it's a fair comment to make as well because at the end of the day they're the people that are going to keep coming back and and obviously being on your back yep. end um, and they'll be your biggest critics too because they'll see you from the beginning to the end and man <laughs> they're the ones who are going to say to you does it work? Does it not work for me? When they can say, "Look, you didn't write this show, kid. Maybe try next time," and then that gives you that, that <laughs> hint, you know, yeah. or start again. But um, I just want to digress on something quickly um, that you said yeah. before. That you said you've you've wrestled for crowds of up to of 150 to 200, and you've wrestled for crowds of five. Um, yeah. Does that? Yeah. Do, do the question in that is does does the the energy does the um, does the the process of going through your match change with the the crowd, like when you run through the curtains and you come out and there's only like 10 people in the crowd cheering, does your energy change? How do you feel when you run through the curtains and there's only so many as opposed to obviously a lot yeah. more? In the- yeah, well, it's deflating uh, for sure. When you come out and you've got your big, you know, your pump, you, you come through and I, I've got like a, a, a theme that I've, I've uh, edited a quick intro, um, it pops and then when it it's this big like silence and then curtain pop right and then you come through and you expect the 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 sound when you hit it and um oftentimes i get it in those uh crowds that know me or or are a little larger but then when you come out and there's nothing like that is the worst so what i do in those moments is when there's five people, you can have a conversation with five people. You know, like the, the old heads will tell you, man, like like vets will tell you, like you pick a person on each side and, yeah. you know, lock their attention. When there's five people, I literally walk up to each individual person. And if I'm heel, each individual person gets to hear some other smart-ass comment that I have about them. Yeah. And if I'm face, each individual person gets that handshake and the thanks and the glad you're here and the, you know, like and the pump, try to pump them up. Yeah. High five them, talk to them, 
like actually talk to them <laughs> during my like two minutes of intro if I even take two minutes because I never do. Yeah. But but you you know, so for me it's like if you are in a big crowd, you can do a more generalized you guys. But if you're in that small crowd, it's don't try to act like it's, it, it's pointless to not acknowledge it, right? Like, like you don't want to acknowledge it by going like, oh, there's no crowd here. If you say that, like, in the public square, that's really weird. But you, yeah. should, you should acknowledge it in the sense that you approach individuals now. In a much more, like, you should always have an individual interaction on probably each side of the ring, like I said, but, like, the you can talk to everybody in the crowd if you're if you're in a crowd of under 10 literally talk to everyone literally have each at least each like family unit that you can see each of them needs to have like a moment with your character at least for a second so that they can remember you for something and try not to even experience and look like you're trying to find the crowd not um interact with them and trying to look in the shadows right 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 because if you because if you do, if, if your thing is to hit the middle rope like Christian and do the whole like look around, yeah. um, don't do that if there's five people. Yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> you look like an idiot. Do not do that if there's five people. If, <laughs> if, you, if you tend to run down the side of the guardrail with your hand out for all these high fives, don't do that if there's five people. <laughs> everyone's just watching you run by empty seats. Like, I mean, you know, you do have to individualize it, but you give them the same energy. You, you yeah, never nuts. let them, never let them feel like there's not 150 people there. They should yeah. feel like they are. You know, that, that's a great way to put it. So treat treat five and 150 as if they were 10,000 people and give them the exact same energy, which is which is a good response, man. I like that. That's, that's what well, I think of it. Yeah, that's what I think of it. Yeah, nice, man. So I, I guess we we've delved into your character. So Rush Kennedy, you you've been wrestling for two and a half to three years. Um, yeah. What I'm understanding is, is you're like an anti-heel. You, you kind of just work the crowd, but you're not super bad. Um, tell us about. Of, Ultimate I can be a bit of an ass. I can. You be paying us? I like that. <laughs> um, so tell I us. About, I have some people who hate me. Who like proper? Oh, really? I I see them every show. They hate me. Yeah. As long as I don't know where to live, that's all good. <laughs> so um. So tell us about Alternative Wrestling Showcase, man. What what's the whole show about? Oh, sweet, yeah. So so um, it's basically uh, we run out of Orangeburg, South Carolina, um, out of a personalized venue. We keep the ring up all the time, so it's like our own space. You know, it's yeah. it's not you know we don't have to move in and move out. It's just this, this location, and um, so we have our locals. Uh, there's there's people who are there every show, um, and which is really good, really nice. Um, we tend to just try to provide to people the sort of hybrid between the old school small town like wrestling where the wrestlers kind of personally know a lot of the people around and things like that um provide a hybrid to that and also try to like have more exciting matches um i wrestled there a um syrian chain match with um the the booker of the show too, but uh, Barbashar the Sheik, uh, we, uh, which I think you've been in contact with him too, and we we yeah. anyway, we um we worked this uh that's the first like gimmick match I ever done, the first like hardcore match I ever done, um and but the reason I bring it up is because other companies I've been in like they'll have their gimmick matches occasionally, 
But with AWS, we try to always provide some sort of, so there's something nuanced there. So the last show for me, it was a, I was in a three-way for the mid-card belt. Um, and uh, with Lazarus Black and uh, Dagon. And what we worked, um, you know, a pseudo strong style kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, thoughts like Kip Up Over, Super Kick from the Apron. We did the discus forearm new japan strike exchange um pump kick kind of stuff and and you know you just so many shows i go to you're not seeing matches like that and the reason you're not seeing matches like that is because they know their audience is southern style wrestling and we're trying to ease in my opinion the way i treat it i'm trying to ease people into watching what i said earlier that i want them to care about my high spots I'm trying to groom this crowd to care about my high spots, this particular crowd, because they may not have been exposed to as much of it, especially not live. If they've seen it, they've seen it on AEW or something. You know what I mean? But if they've, they've not seen it live. And I want to, to, I think all of alternative wrestling showcase, what we're trying to do is bring flavor into a Southern style that can sometimes get a little boring, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, so obviously you've got – so there's AWS in South Carolina. You've obviously got yeah. as well uh, the place that uh, Dewey Good Brother uh, – Good Butter, sorry. I always get that name wrong. Dewey Good Butter's been wrestling for, so APW. Are you guys mm-hmm. close within the vicinity of each other? So do you have a chance to travel to them, or is it just AWS? Well, yeah, I've worked uh, I've worked APW uh, – the APW you're referring to, I think, is American Pro Wrestling in Spartanburg. That's it, um, yep. I've, yeah, I've worked there. I worked uh, Jay Eagle over there. Um, once before, who's the promoter? Um, I always work with promoters. I think that's probably a good thing. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I've also trained with a lot of the head trainers over there, and uh, also in South Carolina, there's another uh, APW. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's a thing that happens with the same names. Um, um, which is in Chester, South Carolina. Um, uh, it's booked um by uh. Rob Kiljoy, who's kind of becoming a bit of a, a well-known indie name, and yep. uh, who's incredible, and a lot of really great stars came out of there too. So, um, I've had the wonderful experience of training with um, a lot of guys who are now hitting up AEW, uh, CZW, and uh, New Japan. So, trained with uh, Savannah Evans, who's on Impact now, uh, JD Drake, who's on AEW with the Wingmen now. Um, Caleb Connolly, who's on Impact. Uh, we've just been really lucky to to have a place in South and North Carolina that is kind of the seat of where like wrestling is going. I think I honestly think that. we have a, a scene that is so quickly developing. I've seen more people that I know on television in the last year than I can like possibly explain. It's insane how many of the truly. I mean, we have you know. Every place has their stinkers too, man. But like, we have some incredible talent out there. That's like, it, it's oversaturated almost. No, that's good to hear, man. It's it's, it's always nice to see that there's a there's a, a mar- uh, not a market per se, but there's there is a a capita of wrestling talent, um, and, and the way that it's flushing through Carolina, North and South, to to be able to make an impact to be on 
bigger and main event shows, um, which which speaks volumes for obviously you guys because there's something obviously you can achieve for and they're going to look to you guys first while you are training and while you are developing as wrestlers and telling you stories through the indie shows. They're also going to say, well, if it works there, we're going to keep coming back and looking for those spots. So they might be able to yeah. come back and look at you obviously in the future and go, look, Rush Kennedy is what we need right now. Let's bring him up into the ranks. So it, yeah. it sounds like what yeah. you've got going there is really, really effective. For sure, because I mean, I, I I get I've gotten so many bookings just by them knowing who trained me. And so I mean, I don't know how George South is known in the world. I think if people know them, they tend to know him as the trainer for Cedric Alexander and Tessa Blanchard yeah. and Swole guys like that. Um, and but here in the South, like everyone knows George personally, and they know that if you were trained by George, you are a good worker. In general, if you were trained by George, they can put they should be able to put you in the ring with anyone and you should be able to have a good match. So um, that's something that's been really lucky for me yeah. too. And so many of those guys came out of high spots and came out of George's school too. So. Oh, so it sounds like it's got a really good working down there, which is like, again, hats off to you guys because it sounds like you guys have got a, a method to the madness there and, and it seems to be working really, really well. So congratulations. I'm sure, I'm sure it's the same where you are. I mean, I'm sure that, you know... I, 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 international wrestling is, is something that's really taken outside of the States too, though, that I've noticed. I've noticed a lot of movement in um, India and in the Philippines. Yeah. And the UK is insane. The UK oh, is yeah. insane. Yeah, but, um, I, I can't confess to have heard much uh, about Australia, but I, oh. um, I, I know that, you know, the international market exists in such a major way because of the internet now that, you know, everyone has room to, to market themselves. Oh, of course. Yeah, we um, just tapping quickly on the UK. I got to talk to Charlie Brennan, who's a wrestler in Liverpool, and yeah. he says that he's literally got about three other shows that he literally circles Liverpool with, and that's just Liverpool itself. We aren't talking about the rest of the UK. And right. Yeah, apparently it's just it's a, it's a crazy world over there for, for wrestling. And obviously, you're looking at like the likes of where Paige grew up in WWE, obviously learning to be an indie wrestler over there. And, and mm-hmm. you've still got the UK WWE as well, which is a massive turnout as well. Um, it's it's insane. It's insanely growing in UK, but it also is growing massively in Australia as well. We've got the likes of things like uh, my wrestling company, QWA, which we are the largest wrestling mm-hmm. company the eastern seaboard of Australia. Oh, sorry, eastern seaboard, eastern side of Australia because um, we span over, I think it's um, 1,400 kilometres um, of, of wrestling performance um, and that's all the way up and down the east coast. So we, we go from as, as far as central Queensland all the way up to the northern tip of Queensland, oh, sorry, up towards uh, sort of Townsville area, which is it's a big area to cover. So and there's three or four towns in between we transfer to to perform. But you look at the likes of, say, um, the the main city. So you've got like Brisbane in, in Australia, which is uh, the main city of Queensland, one of the states here. And, and there's at least four or five show companies there that are always getting standout events, um, like the highlights of like E3 Count Wrestling Academy. Um, they've just mm-hmm. uh, released their untapped show. You've got VPW as well. Um, there's all these other shows that I could go on for ages with for Brisbane. Um, and then you've got like, your real big globe trotters as well. So you've got places like um, EPW, which is probably our um, our forefront of wrestling over on the western side of Australia, and Damien Slater, who was obviously in um, WWE in the Cruiserweight yeah. division. 
Um, and yep. he's someone we come to for guidance as well. Uh, when he runs his seminars down here in Australia, we, we take a lot off of him. But we ourselves have a legend in the name of Australian Wolf who's also been to Japan and he's wrestled over there in Japan. And, and he's brought back so much experience for us as wrestlers in Australia to take back and learn the, the spots that we need to learn. And, and with the likes of him and our own developmental trainer, uh, Sam Cannon, who was a, a massive force to be reckoned with in, in Australia, he's probably one of our predominant wrestlers on on this side of the the map i can't speak highly enough of him because the way he works in the ring and the way he trains everybody it just makes wrestling so much more fun and enjoyable because he can break it down for you and obviously make it much more of an experience so we got guys like that in australia who who have that passion to to want to make australia big on the name on the map of of wrestling and um Obviously, that ties into what I'm trying to do with this podcast here as well. Is is just yeah, trying to get Australia's name on the map uh, for wrestling as well as get the world on the map. And obviously, talk to guys like you in South Carolina, your Liverpool, California, Connecticut. Um, we've got a lot of places around America, especially Canada. I've got four shows there that I'm still chat to as well with them. But it's it's obviously connecting everybody together and seeing how everything works around the world. And, and being able to, to bring that to Australia and have the ears of Australia listening um, to what you guys have to say is amazing because then we can take back what you've said and go, cool, this is this is how they're doing it over there. It's kind of a lot to like what we're doing here. So, yeah, so wrestling in Australia, man, it's, it's a lot like you guys. Um, we are very – with the, my wrestling company that I, I work for, we're very localised. We, we have the one area and everybody comes to us and we have our regulars and it's a, it's a really good experience to have. Um, especially when, obviously, I, I'm making that transition from referee to wrestler uh, and the fans get to see that experience and that transition along the way. They get to enjoy that process as well because they know what you come from to where you're going, which is a cool process. So, And I guess that ties back to the next question I wanted to ask you, and that is, so you've come from uh, semi-heel uh, for two and a half years. Where do you see yourself going? Where, what's the future hold for Rush Kennedy? For me, it's all about like honing the character. Now, now it's time to. I spend a lot of time, you know, working on my fundamentals. I spend a lot of time working on making sure that I'm the best wrestler I can be. And now I need to become the best entertainer that I can be. I need to be ready to perform at the drop of the hat. I need to be ready to be live with any fan that I see. So for me, it's time to put that out put the electricity that I know that I've got forward yep. until enough people conducts enough people together to notice what's going on. And when yep. that happens, the dream, the dream is to get on the larger indies here to start with. Um, we have, we have a big joint uh, PWX that's uh, pretty well known or pretty, you know, uh, yeah, especially in this area. <laughs> Uh, yep. hosted loads of, of of truly amazing indie talent um yep. and i want nothing more than the pwx show over so that's that's my goal that's my short-term goal over the next like year or so is to get to that um and following that wherever i can be to put the most eyes on on, on what i what i want to do it's, it's time to stop working on just having the fundamentals correct it's time to specialize that's it uh, you know that's the way i feel about it it's it's time for for me to present what i consider my brand of of, of wrestling uh, yeah, I I want it. yeah 
Yeah, no, man, that's that's awesome. So it essentially sounds like you're you're ready to go and step up to the next level and just try your craft to what the world has to offer for you. That's I, I'm absolutely trying, and I, I, it's funny. I was talking about this today. I think the dream, like the end goal, because I, I I've said this before. I think that if you look at professional wrestling as though you're only the only way that you're successful is if you hit WWE or you hit AW or you hit like whatever. I don't think that's true. Uh, first yeah. of all, because you're you're dismissing the careers of so many people who do this as their part time job. That's another yeah. thing no one ever talks about. When you're starting out and you've got a job, you got a you have to work your job before anything else, and that's the hardest part for people coming up. And and I don't think that it's fair to say that those people weren't successful. They they did the work that they did to be able to present entertainment to people, even in a local area. And if yeah. I never got it, if I never wrestle anywhere outside of you know where I've been, which is south of North Carolina. And if I never go anywhere outside of these two states, um, I'll be happy with myself. But if I can't, if I can push myself further than, then maybe I deserve, you know, that the people, you know, you know, who's to say who deserves their platform and their audience. But if I can push myself beyond that, I would like to hit international waters. That's what I would really love to do. I'd love to uh, wrestle in Japan. Or the UK, or Australia. Those would be the things to do. No, that would be that's that's the way to look at it, man. And, and it's a great way to reflect on it too. Like um, when I had my, my debut match, and I came out, and I, I wrestled the match, and I did everything right. And I came back. It, it wasn't really so much of a, you know, now I need to look forward. It was more of a in the moment of I've finally done it. I finally got to what I want to do and perform for people. Absolutely. And that's absolutely. That's and it's yeah, it's no greater feeling. But if you can push yourself and do more, that's that's even more amazing. But just remember that it's obviously it's a you are where you are because of what you do and love what you're doing in the moment because you don't know how long it's going to last for. And and you hit the nail on the head. You've got a full time job, you've got a part time job as well outside of this, and you still have to come back to this to to be able to put it all away for a week and come back. Like um, I work full time at the moment, and I, I work. Monday to Friday, and I'll literally yep. uh, this weekend. I would it'll be I get in my car, I'll finish work, so I'll start at seven thirty in the morning for my job. Um, I'll work all the way up till three o'clock in the afternoon, and then I'm jumping in my car at three thirty, and I'm driving ten hours north to go and perform for a show uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's it's yep. one of those things that, that the drive doesn't phase me because it's the anticipation of of getting up there and getting in the moment and really enjoying the whole thing. And, and sure, I'm going to drive ten hours back the next day, but we do this because we love this is and and those people who say look i haven't made it until i'm in wwe i'm in aew you, you hit the nail on the head you, you you're lying they're not sorry they're not lying they're they're not making it fair on everybody else who who works that and gets to go every month and they say you know i drive here i go there and i do this job and you know i put in the work why don't you think i've made it because i'm at my wrestling company i still think i've made it just because you want to go to WWE doesn't mean that you finally made it as a wrestler. You've, you've made it as a wrestler the second you walk into the ring. You're a wrestler. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and truly, and 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 the thing is that you know some people hear that and say, "Well, you you, you want to sort of make excuses for yourself because you've not succeeded." And it's like, no, no, that's not true. Because I'm still that's the goal. That's you it. Want to do that, but at Everybody. the same time, 
the truth of the matter is, is that we live in a world where only the best of the best of the best of the best get that opportunity. There are a handful of people, maybe, you know, like celebrity appearances and things like that. I'm thinking David Arquette winning the, the, the Super Bowl, you know, things like that, where people <laughs> who don't deserve it show up and, and yeah. get it. And Arquette since then turned his stuff around. He's, you know, put in the work. But I'm saying when they're only certain, it's very rare that you get there and don't deserve it. So, you know, it's it doesn't take away from the people who are on the top to say, you know, they deserve that success. But simultaneously, there is a lesser degree of success that that should be celebrated. I work uh, to Wednesday, uh, Wednesday through Sunday, and my day off is um, Saturday for a show. And I train on a Tuesday. I train Tuesdays. So Monday is the only day off that doesn't involve wrestling or, or working. And it's like, that's because that's the way that I have to design my schedule if I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's it. And so. you, you plan that so well to the point where it's down to a fine art of, cool, Sunday to sorry, Wednesday to Saturday, I'm, I'm putting all that effort in for work. Then I switch off. I got my show Saturday. I've got my one day off to just kind of wind back and, and let everything go. And then I can start getting into focusing again. And again, hats yeah. off to you because you prioritize what you need to do, but you've also embraced the fact that you're, you're going to love both ends of the world and see it for what it really is, which is, which is really, really cool to see. Um, so I got, I got to ask as well, when you're obviously you're resting in your indie promotion and you're, um, you're working to, you're working to a high, uh, like a, another goal, and you've got all these ambitions in mind. Have you had any challenges or any things, the goals that you've set within your promotion at the moment? Like, is there a belt you're aiming for, or have you got a belt that you want to get back? Or where's your storyline so far? Absolutely. So, I uh, just won the AWS uh, House of Fan Championship in our last show. Congratulations! I oh, appreciate it, man. It's it's, it's dope. And, um, my goal for that belt for that crowd is I want that crowd to be bigger every show I go every yep. chance I can get and I want when they leave you know maybe this is selfish maybe this is contradictory to what I've said a second ago about making sure that everyone in the card looks good I want them to leave thinking about it. Yep. I I care about everybody else uh you know I want the card to succeed but I want when people show up and watch it I want I want this belt to mean more than the world title match every time. Of course. I want everyone that watches the match to think that whoever was involved put everything they had on the line. I, I put a promo up today for this match um, with Leo Ramos, who's coming up from Puerto Rico. Um, oh, nice. But that's what I said in the match. It was said in, it, this morning to him was you've if you're not going to bring your bag of experiences up with you and empty it out into the ring for everybody to look at and pick apart, you're not going to have room to put the belt in it. Yeah. No, that's that's how I wrestle every single time. And that's, that's what I want. That's the goal for me right now is that every single show I'm on, I pour out everything I have for everyone to examine in every match. That's that's a beautiful way to look at it, man. And good on you for that. So uh, yeah, that that's how I feel. As long as you can see everything I have to to offer. Yeah, if you don't like course. it, pass on it. 
but I'm I'm going to anyone who wants it. I want them to be able to receive it. Yeah, nice. I, I like that because it's a it's definitely a different way to look at it and go. You know, this is this is me. This is what I want to do. This is who I am, and this is how I'm going to just to put it all on the line every night. Um, and and for the fans to be able to go, this is what I want to see, and and for you to go, cool. This is what I'm going to put on for you guys if I'm a champion. This is what you're going to get out of me, which is really cool attitude to have. I'm going to hold this until someone pries it off me because that's the point. That's if it. you hold a title, if you hold a championship and you don't treat it like it's the world's championship, then who cares? That's it. I, I, it you know, time. So for me right now, the primary focus is holding the AWS House of Pain Championship and keeping it. And 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 working within the framework t- uh, of this company and of this championship uh, division, yeah, to keep myself at that head, uh, match quality wise, and fan reaction wise, and performance wise in every way that I can. Of course, and it's again great way to look at it. Um, I just want to quickly touch on before we wrap up. Um, I want to know what kind of belts do you guys have there? So you've got the, the your title belt. Is there any other title belts that you have there? Yeah. So they they there is a heavyweight championship for uh, AWS um, as well as uh, tag championship. I was in a tag title match uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, came up short, um, but uh, that those are the three uh, AWS titles. A couple um, other promotions. Uh, sometimes move their belts up with us. Uh, we're part of the AIWF, the uh, Allied Independent Wrestling Federations uh, of Southeast. And basically, um, the AIWF belts are uh, sort of conglomerate titles that you, you'll see on a lot of different indie shows. Okay. And um, we've defended those on card before um, with their permission. I believe they have a booking committee that decides their uh, contenderships and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't mean just like in gimmick. I mean, I think you have to like. <laughs> I think if you want to, it's like the NWA almost. Like, or at least that's why they treat themselves. If you want to, you know, if you want to yeah. defend this belt, you better call it. Um, <laughs> uh, and and uh, also uh, working a show November six with Future Titans of Wrestling. It'll be in the same uh, venue actually. And yeah. uh, my understanding, the the House of Pain is what we we've, we've dubbed the venue that we we work at. And also the training center that Akbar runs out of that building. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's my understanding that any company that's running that venue, I can defend that belt for that company. Uh, okay. So that this is a bit more of a venue championship than anything else. It's AWS House of Pain Championship. But the truth is that I could lose this belt on a future Titan show. I could lose this belt on, on any show that's running out of this venue. Um, and yeah. So you have to, you know, that that's the gimmick of that belt. That's, that's the thing that people wear. So, you know, it, it depends on who's around in that in that moment. But usually, it's the the heavyweight championship, the the uh, house of pain championship, which is considered, yep. I guess, the mid title, but it's not really to me. And the tag belts. Yeah, nice. And with the the house of pain championship, is it a cashable title? Like, can you cash it in on the heavyweight, or is it just a separate entity? True. If, if that's an option, I'm gonna call Akbar today. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said I care about this belt and everything, but it'll be a lot easier to make everyone believe it's the top belt if I've got the world title too. Yeah, I well, don't know that was an option. I'll call him real quick. <laughs> I don't think so, but I'd love it. 
That'd be good. Hey, we got we. That's what we've got in our our show. So, um, our we have a, a heavyweight title, a Rockhampton heavyweight title, uh, a middleweight yeah. title, and a tag team belt. And our I, I'm not too sure on this. I'll have to fact check this one, but I know that our middleweight title can be cashed in for our heavyweight. So as soon as you win the middleweight title, you can cash it in whenever you like for our heavyweight title shot. Um, I believe the Rockhampton heavyweight title as well can be cashed in for the heavyweight title. I'm not too sure. I will double check on that one, but. From my understanding, so the idea is it goes vacant if you lose, or yeah. So what happens is it becomes vacated, and then another mm. title match. Uh, sorry, another um, middleweight title match happens. It's generally a fatal four way um, over a um, yeah. So it's a, sorry, I'll start that again. So it's generally a fatal four way. Who will then decide the next middleweight title holder? Um, we had our last uh, before our current middleweight title holder. Um, we had our one of our characters, um, Gabriel, who who won the middleweight title and then cashed it in on the same night. Um, but then he wanted to wait until the next show to obviously headline uh, the main event, and he just came up short. So obviously he lost the middleweight title. He didn't get the heavyweight title, but the title was then well, advocated. The Pardon? That's, yeah, that's the gamble. <laughs> <laughs> the gamble that's the whole point of it is just that you don't know how close you're going to get so and then it got back and they had the fatal four-way and then uh klaus Sterling ended up taking the middleweight title and and now he's got it since and it doesn't look like he wants to cash in it looks like he just wants to appreciate the belt and and stay middleweight title uh champion but um yeah there's a couple of guys who are who are buying in for it and want to get involved myself included i'd love to step in and uh, have my title shot eventually when it comes i'd love oh, to have a title Pardon? Tell them Rush. Tell them Rush said you're number one contender now. That's oh, and then they're yeah. going to say who's Rush, and then you'll just like link them to the podcast. It's promotion yeah. for everyone. It's all very good. I'm sure. I'm sure my um my head guys uh, will be looking at this going absolutely just because we've all said it. It has to happen, and then they'll probably just laugh at me. But um yeah, no, uh eventually when that happens, I can't wait to to hopefully be a part of middleweight contenderships. Um, I, if- I want to see you take it. Oh yeah, that's it, man. Uh, well, we're all on YouTube, so so before we go, um, I just want to get your uh your socials if you want to get your plug in, just trying to let everybody know who you are, yeah. you all your socials, man, so we can look for you and we can follow you. Yeah, you can find Rush Kennedy on uh, on Facebook, Rush Kennedy Pro, on uh, at Rush Kennedy Pro on Twitter. Um, if you like me, love me, want to see more of me, uh, bookrushkennedy at gmail dot com. Send me an email. Uh, I'll I'll respond to it. Sounds like a good time. Uh, like I said, Facebook, Twitter is really the big places. Um, you can find me on YouTube by searching around. I don't have an official YouTube channel, but a lot of the promotions post on my matches. Make sure you watch the good ones. If you watch a bad one, don't tell me. <laughs> I love it. And does Alternative Wrestling Showcase have a YouTube channel? Absolutely, yeah. That's another place you can see some matches of ours. Alternative Wrestling Showcase, just give it a quick search. You can put my name at the end if you want to make sure that you're uh, finding some stuff from me. Um, there's there's some quality matches on there. Um uh, don't tell anyone else I said that, though, because I talk a lot of trash. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, just before we go, quickly, is there any other shows that you got coming up that we should know about? Future Titans on November 6th. Um, uh, if, I doubt that listeners here, if, if they're primarily Australian, are going to be able to make their way out. But if there's anybody who is going to be in the area for Orangeburg, South Carolina, November 6th, we're working a, a, a battle ball style. Uh, randomized tag teams. We pull that stuff from a hat. It's legitimately random. I have no idea who I'm teaming with, um, but I'm hoping to pick up the FTOW tag belts in the same night. Um, and then working through uh, AWS does a show every two weeks. 
That's me yeah. every every chance I get. And uh, Warzone Pro Wrestling is going to open up with their first show uh, December 4th. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to catch you guys there. Yeah, no, that'll be good. Um, we can't wait to, to see that all unfold and definitely can't wait to, to try and see where all of this lies. Good luck with the title shot uh, coming up. Um, and obviously, we want to look forward to seeing this Warzone Pro Wrestling as well. Might have to get in touch with them and see what they want to do. But, um, Rush, oh, thank you sure. so much for being on the podcast, man. I really appreciate no, no you on today. Um, and I know you said that you, you weren't quite sure if we've got listeners coming in, mainly from Australia. We've actually got listeners in South Carolina. So from all the way from Australia, guys, thank you so much from South Carolina who do listen. I know there's about three or four of you that are listening at the moment. Um, so if you get a chance, head yeah. down to Rush Kennedy's home. Check it out. Not his actual house because apparently some of the fans know where he lives, but check out his actual oh. wrestling oh. show. So I'll tell oh, you <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. I, I look, 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 look. I understand that, like you know, my fault, my fault. I have, I've failed to separate my personal Facebook page from my like athlete page as much as I should have. But still, it, I understand that you might see where I live. Not now. I privatized it. I understand you might see stuff like that. Please do not approach me and tell me that you saw it. It will make me very uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. But yes, if you can get a chance, man, check him out. Rush Kennedy on Facebook, on all the socials if possible. Rush Kennedy, give him a, a message if you want to book him. Uh, South Carolina Alternative Wrestling Showcase. Rush Kennedy, mate, thank you for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. I have one more question before I go. Right, Every Sunday we have a Sunday session. Um, it's roughly around about this time of day. It's actually a little bit earlier on, so it's more friendly for you guys, obviously being how late it is over there for you. Um, our Sunday sessions are normally about uh, five hours before this podcast every Sunday. Uh, my question to you is, would you like to come back and be a guest panel member on the Sunday session with us uh, in a future Sunday? That, yeah, absolutely. No trouble for me at all. Um, it's just good, uh, about what time is that on Sundays? Uh, so it's normally about three or so. What's the time now with you guys? It is three a.m. Man, holy jeez. Okay, so it's we go about go back about four to six hours. So it's about nine a.m. for us. Um, so you're probably looking at about seven p.m. eight p.m. where you are there for the sure. the um the Sunday session. Hey, if I can make it, I will make it. I've appreciated it. Fantastic, man. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast today, and we look forward to seeing plenty more action from Rush Kennedy. Hey, peace. Peace out, y'all. Thanks for listening. No problem at all, man. All right, guys, that has been the podcast of World of Wrestling, Alternative Wrestling Showcase with Rush Kennedy. I'm your host, Alex. Thanks very much for joining us, and I'll see you in the next show. Bye-bye. Yeah.